Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, hear our prayer. We thank you that you invite us to draw near to you. Would you be close to each of us today? And whatever hindrances there are, would you take them away? Whatever distractions, would you remove them that we may focus on you and we may hear your voice? It's through Christ I pray. Amen. Originally written in France by a man named John Wade, O Come All Ye Faithful has become one of the most popular Christmas songs of our day. It's been popular for a long time in many places. We're not quite sure of its origin. There is some argument about that. But we know for sure it's popular in France and has been. It is in Portugal called the Portuguese Hymn and has also been popular in England and also, of course, in the United States. In the United States, according to um, legend, and I have no reason to believe it's not true, it was the favorite hymn, uh, Christmas hymn, for President Dwight David Eisenhower. And before that, President uh, Thomas Jefferson uh, called uh, Adeste Fidelis, the other version of it, his favorite carol as well. The song is so popular, in fact, that Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister fame claims that they based the medley of their top hit, um, We're Not Gonna Take It Anymore, on the Christmas carol, O Come All Ye Faithful. I'm not sure what to say about that. It's worthy of some kind of observation I'm just not quite sure what the observation is, other than it does show the broad appeal that this carol has had through the years. And I think it resonates to many of, with many of us because it calls us to experience Jesus afresh, to draw closer to him. And if there's ever a time that we've needed to draw close to God, certainly it's this year. I think the carol is meaningful because by nature, it is an invitation, a meaningful invitation. O come, all ye faithful. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Make the journey to Bethlehem, the song invites. See, whatever you're doing, it says, stop. Isn't that why we like it? That's why, part of the reason I like it at Christmas time. It's just, we can get running and we can get distracted. And then we hear, Oh, come all ye faithful to Bethlehem. Stop whatever you're doing. Find your place beside Mary and Joseph and the shepherds positioned by the manger that day. Wouldn't it be great if we literally could make a trip to Bethlehem even today? You know what you'd see if you would journey to Bethlehem today? You would not see Gainesville or Chantilly. You would not see Fairfax County or Prince William County. You would see a third world country. You would not see any place that somebody would confuse with the Garden of Eden. You would see a place that while years ago was 86% populated by Christians, today is only populated 12% by Christians. You'd see a place that is not safe to go out after dark in many places. And yet you would still find a place where Christians make their pilgrimages every year to see the place 
where Jesus was born. And to imagine what it was like to be there that first Christmas to come and adore him. Luke chapter 2 gives this account. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. If you were to go with, to Bethlehem today, even though so much has changed, it would still be very easy to imagine what it was like that, that time when Mary and Joseph walked into town, ascended its hills. It's still very easy to walk out to the shepherd's fields and to see what they would have seen and to imagine what it was like for them that night. Verse 7 says, Then Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room, no room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in their fields and keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now today the place where Jesus is born is commemorated with a church called the Church of the Nativity. And the question that is automatic to ask is, is this really the place? I mean, do you know, is this where Jesus really was born? And um, while it is true that there are many places in Israel and uh, where, where Jesus did things, and we're not quite sure where these events took place. We actually do have confidence that we are very close to the place where Jesus was born. First, because the first century church would have known it. Bethlehem was not that large of a place, um, not that large of a town. Not many people would have lived there. It was identified even in a way that we know now in history by Justin Martyr in the second century. Certainly others knew about it then as well. Justin Martyr just happened to write it down in a way that's recorded that we can see it today. Um, after that, Jerome, when he wrote his, well, translated the Vulgate, translated the Bible into Latin, he went to those caves in Bethlehem and made his home in those caves where he translated the Bible into Latin. It's a wonderful place to go to this church of the nativity and to know it was here. Jesus was born here, or very close to here, in these caves here, for sure. And so when we sing, O come, O come ye to Bethlehem, it's pretty cool to know we know where Jesus was born. In other words, it's not a legend. It's not a tall tale that somebody just made up. It really happened in real time, in a real place, to real people. God became flesh as a baby. Kind of a fun aside, 
I wasn't sure whether to actually share this with you or not. When you visit the Church of the Nativity, there's a place where all the buses have to park, and then you have to walk up the street toward the Church of the Nativity. And as you're walking up, on the right-hand side, you see a cafe, and it's called the Stars and Bucks Cafe. As you see in this picture, it looks strikingly like a knockoff of Starbucks, which just kind of reminds you that they know their customer. Anyway, this carol is a wonderful carol. It's a meaningful carol to us because it invites us to come to Bethlehem where Jesus was born, where it really happened. But the reason it appeals to us so much more is because it's deep. It's rich in theology. Let's be honest. Not all Christmas songs are terribly deep in theology. They're about as deep as tissue paper. You know, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer is not one that's going to stimulate much wholesome thinking. Um, you know, Rockin' Round the Christmas Tree has always made me ask, but why? You know, I just don't, I just don't get it. My guess is that those songs can disappear and most of us can probably live a very rich spiritual life without them. However, the appeal of O Come All Ye Faithful is its richness in theology and its, and its biblical teaching. It is an invitation to come theologically to be joyful and to triumph. It's the good news of joy and victory because Christ is born. In other words, no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter how defeated you've felt, no matter how stressed you are at the moment, oh, come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Be faithful to God, then come to him. Oh, come ye to Bethlehem. And the basis of our joy is not superficial. It's not because we're rocking around the Christmas tree. It's not because we find some humor in grandma getting stampeded by the reindeer. The reason for our joy is a reason that can never be taken away because Christ, the one who is born, is the king of angels. Because the one we adore is Christ the Lord. It reminds us of Romans chapter 8, verse 37 that says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Pause for a moment right now, would you? We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. When you think of the Christmas story, with whom do you most immediately relate? If you said Ralphie, you're thinking of the wrong Christmas story. I mean, the Bible Christmas story. Which one, which character do you, you which person do you relate to? Some of you, maybe your moms, and you're just tired and you just want to rest. Some of you maybe relate to Joseph the husband who's confused and definitely feeling overwhelmed and like he's not adequate up for the job. Some of you know that relate to the shepherds. Nobody would have ever looked at the shepherds and said, those guys are spiritual guys. But that night they got a front row seat to the coming of God into the world. I hope you don't relate to Herod. Herod is the politician who's all about power, and when he hears about Jesus, he doesn't want to bow and worship Jesus. He just wants to make sure he preserves his own 
political power. Hair just doesn't get it. I hope that's not the one you relate with. Whoever you relate with, the invitation is open to you, rich or poor, young or olds, spiritual or feeling less spiritual, educated or not, powerful or vulnerable. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem, joyful and triumphant, because the one who's born is the king of angels. He's Christ the Lord. And in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us so much that he came into this world. That's good Bible teaching. Second, the song extends an invitation for us to draw near to God as he is born of a virgin. This hymn kind of whacks us in the side of the head with some pretty heavy theology when it gets into the virgin birth stuff, especially in the second stanza, which we don't sing quite so much anymore. Listen closely to what it says about the divinity of Jesus. The song says, God of God, light of light, lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb. Very God, begotten, not created. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. This very much echoes what is known as the Nicene Creed, which says we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God of God, light of light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. See, the core of Christmas is not... We are joyful because God sent a good person. We're joyful because God sent another prophet. We're joyful because God sent a good spiritual leader. We are joyful because God himself became flesh. Miraculously. In the womb of a virgin. He's begotten, not created. In other words, he was sent from God. He did not come into time. He, 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 uh, he did not, um, he was not created in time. He came out of time into time. Begotten, not created. How do you respond when you see Jesus in the manger? When you realize that God is in the virgin's womb? The natural reaction to some is skepticism. I understand that. There's some who have an approach that says, if I can't understand it, it must not be true. And let's be honest, the nature of the Godhead is a difficult thing to understand. Please don't say the lazy thing of, oh, the Bible doesn't use the word Trinity. Well, it talks about the Godhead. It does. It doesn't use the word Trinity. It does talk about Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And, um, and, and all of my professors in school said the same thing. I re- I'll remember my biblical theology professor saying, um, if, you, you know, if you ever, somebody says they understand the, um, the, tr- the, the, the Godhead, how God can be three and one, they're lying to you because we can't. And that shouldn't trouble us. That actually should should cause us to worship God. If the only if we only believe what we can understand, think how limited our beliefs will be, 
how limited our understanding of the world will be. You know, that's kind of like if people 2,000 years ago would have said, well, I don't believe in electricity, therefore it doesn't exist. Well, no, it's just beyond your ability to understand right now. And for us to understand exactly how it can be that God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, how he could come in the form of his son in the womb of a virgin, and, and yet there's also God the Father. It is as great as God himself. And, um, and I'm glad <laughs> that I worship a God who is much greater than I am. But the result of that is worship. Paul would say it like this in Colossians chapter 116. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things and in him all things hold together. I can't explain exactly what that is, but I know it's true that Jesus is Lord creator, and in him all things hold together. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, speaking of Jesus, the communication of God, the logos, the reason of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. A lot of people get tripped up about the divinity of Jesus Christ. I think it's another invitation to worship. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. And when we start to worship, you know where that takes me? That takes us to Revelation chapter 4. This picture of Jesus on the throne in heaven. And the heavenly beings begin to draw near. And it says, day and night, they never stop singing to Jesus on the throne. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And as they worship in great crescendo, all those around join in. And they cast their crowns before the throne and say, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. Why is this song so powerful? Oh, come, let us adore him because we are made for worship. Because we are made to worship Jesus Christ, the Lord. In Bethlehem, we worship him as Christ born the king of angels. In Revelation, in eternity, we worship him as king of kings and lord of lords. Somebody said, worship is a stairway on which there is movement in two directions. God comes down to man, and man goes to God. Oh, come, let us adore him. Let's worship him fully this Christmas, Christ the Lord. Heavenly Father, may this season be a time when we worship you like never before, where worshiping you becomes easier because because you just get so real as we think about Jesus coming and being born of a woman and growing as a child 
and walking and, and, and hurting and bleeding and sweating and laughing and running and caring and crying and living a perfect life and dying a perfect sacrifice for us. Lord, may we worship you as more real than ever before this Christmas. It's through Christ I pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us. And if I can help you, if you have any questions that you would like us to address, let me know. Um, but until we see you again, thanks for joining us. <laughs>